you'd like to open up your Bibles to the chapter 2 of Revelation. For those who have been at the Vogue, I'm not going to do an epic Revelation talk today, so it's okay. Um, just going to start there. Revelation chapter 2, many of us are aware of what uh, this chapter is about. This is uh, the start of the messages to the seven churches. And this particular message is to the church at Revelation, uh, not Revelation, at Ephesus. And I just want to read the first five verses of this. So these messages are the message of Jesus Christ to these churches. Each of these churches are in modern-day Turkey. And um, Apostle John, who was the the person who the, Jesus revealed uh, this message to, was actually the, the apostle who looked after this area. So he knew these churches. He knew them very well. He, he would have known each of the leaders, he would have known many of the members of the churches that this is written to. But this is Jesus providing a message to this church through John. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, which walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labour and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and is born and has patience, and for my name's sake has laboured, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of the place, except our repent. So this church in Ephesus, just to set a little bit of context, it's high, down a bit. This church in Ephesus, to set a little bit of context, they've been going for maybe fifty, maybe sixty years. This uh, book was written in about ninety-six AD or so. They've been going for quite a while. Um, probably a second, a third, maybe even a fourth generation church. Uh, they may or may not have had their founding members still there, or at least probably the children of the founding members in the church there. Um, and it sounds like they were pretty good, doctrinally really good. They kept the word. They fought to keep the gospel pure. They didn't want to have uh, false teachings come in. Um, but it talks about they lost their first love. And we know we know what that's talking about. We know that's... They weren't preaching the gospel like they used to. Everything had come a little bit comfortable. Forty, fifty years in, they they sort of forgotten what it was all about in a way. They knew it was great coming along to the, the meetings. It was great having fellowship with each other. I'm sure they had great fellowship, but they sort of forgot why we do what we do. That's what it reads to me here. They'd forgotten their first love. So why do we do what we do? So why do we have meetings? Why do we have camps? Why do we have young peoples? Why do we have dinner nights? All these different things that we do, why do we do those? And the answer is, it's for our first love. So we want people to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit and come into the kingdom of God the same way that we have. That's the only reason we do these things. Well, it's not the only, but it's the key reason we do these things, isn't it? It's our first love is to bring people into the kingdom of God. And this church had forgotten that. And what Jesus said to this church, I'll remove your candlestick. That means they're no longer a Holy Spirit, no longer an anointed church. 
they're a, they're a dead church. It's a pretty uh, grim uh, warning given to them by Jesus. I don't want to be so grim today, but what I guess want to talk about is doing what we love for the Lord, but in particular, keeping our love, our first love, by doing what we love for the Lord. And this is, uh, I guess, something that I've really started appreciating, particularly in the last few years. It's sort of been on my mind a fair bit, and I want to tell maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a story uh, um, of my story uh, through this test, uh, this talk about keeping the first love. As many of you know, I grew up in this fellowship here in Adelaide. Um, it was quite a few years ago now, 17 years or so ago, Michelle and I moved to Wollongong, um, south coast of New South Wales. Absolutely loved the fellowship there. Great time. Spent 11 years in that fellowship. Had many great times, some really hard times. But like It's just life, isn't it? You go through good and you go through the bad. And... Um, through that, we had the opportunity to go to the Solomon Islands and saw some amazing revival and just have seen some amazing miracles happen. It's just it's some absolute highlight of my life, to be honest, to be involved with the work like that. Um, six years ago, we moved back to Adelaide. Seems like it was shorter than that, but it was six years ago we moved back here. And um, when we were thinking about moving back here, I um, called up. Uh, it ended up being Pastor Chris. It was going to be Pastor Paul, but he didn't answer his phone. He must have seen my number come up and he just didn't answer. <laughs> so so I called Pastor Chris because Pastor Paul and Pastor Chris were my pastors when I was uh, living in Adelaide in Woodcroft. I thought I would say, well, we're coming back to Adelaide. And uh, it turned out to be a blessing, um, much to surprise most people that I got Pastor Chris. But he was actually the first per- perfect person to speak to. He had done a similar thing. He'd gone to, to London and he'd come back to Adelaide as well. And um, it was really, really good talking to him. And one of the things he said to us was, you know, it's going to take five years for you to be established back in Adelaide after coming back from a small fellowship. We had about 12 of us in Wollongong, um, moving back to Adelaide, which is, as you know, huge. And it's going to take five years. He was right. It took about five years to feel established back here. And... Um, when we moved back here, it was another brother I spoke to, another brother I grew up with in the Lord, and um, he asked me what we're hoping to achieve, what we want to get out, what we want to do when we're back here. And one thing I said, and it was a bit silly in the end when I think about it, I said, I'm going to try not to get too busy. I'm going to just just pick what I can do in the Lord and not get too busy. Well, that didn't last very long. I think at the first meeting, I ended up myself on about 15 rosters. I don't know how that happened. I know one meeting I was on four rosters at the same time. I had to pick which one to do. Like things happen. You get into a big fellowship. You come back. You get active in the Lord. You get involved in the Lord. You get used, and the, and it's great. It's a great joy, great blessing to do that. But after about about two years in, I ended up finding myself just exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And um, I had work, had a young family, had lots of things. I was a house leader, doing uh, different things in the, in the Lord. And, but I was exhausted and I was really starting to lose my joy. And it's not a good thing to lose your joy. Let me turn to Proverbs 17 with me. And verse 22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Now, it wasn't exactly a broken spirit, but it's talking here about when you start losing joy, when you start losing hope, it, it, it's like things start drying up. And 
when you do start losing your joy, it's not a nice place to be. And maybe some or all of us have gone through that at different times. Maybe some of you are there right now. And it's not a, it's not a pleasant place to be in when you've lost your joy or losing your joy. And um, I went along to a camp. I don't know whether it was here. It might have been um, in Nowra in New South Wales. And I guess it really moved me after that camp. I thought, no, I've got to do something about this. I just can't not have this joy, the joy of the Lord. So I wrote a few things down. I thought, well, what, what, what do I want? So I'm not going to read all of them. These are just a few things that I wrote down. I said, I want to make a, make a difference, but I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. I want to make sure I give love and time for my family. I want to use my strengths to encourage others. And I want to bring people to the Lord. They're four of the key things that I wrote down at that time. I realised what drove us to move to Wollongong in the first place is we really wanted to be involved in preaching the gospel and seeing people coming to the Lord and, I guess, uh, and supporting brothers and sisters. And I guess we've got that, in, in particularly in the Solomon Islands, it's a great joy. But I realised how much joy I get when people come to the Lord, when I see lives changed, when I see people just growing, their lives turn around from where they were and now they've just got joy and peace and, and, and it's just a completely different person. And that gives me so much joy to see that in those people. It gives me so much joy to see my brothers and sisters another year later, still fellowshipping, still happy in the Lord. That's what gives me joy. I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm just going to quote them. Um, Just a second to bring it up. Seems like that also gives us some other people joy. For example, in First Thessalonians, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? And not even ye, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming, for you are our joy, glory and joy. Apostle Paul talked to the Thessalonican church. Book of Philemon, if we have great joy and consolation in thy love, Apostle Paul talked to Philemon, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Apostle John talking in Second John, Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you to speak face to face, that our joy may be full. And in 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, how many people feel like that about your brothers and sisters, isn't it? When you see your brothers and sisters walking in truth, when you see someone come to the Lord and their lives change, how much joy does it give us? It really does. And... So I realised, well, if I want my joy back, that's what I need. I need to, to see those things. I need to be part of those things. And fast forward a couple of years, two years later, I kind of put my plan into action. A lot of things happened in the meantime. Um, but we're going to turn to Matthew 25. Verse 14, again, really well-known passage here about the talents. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country who calls his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straight away took his journey. Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents, and likewise he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. I'm not going to go through the whole parable here. Um, 
and talents is when it's talking about talents here, it's not talking about necessarily abilities, it's talking about a, a sum of money. But it does talk about here that he gave to every man according to his several ability. And the Lord has given us certain abilities. Some of us are really good at some things, others are really good at others. We've just learned from that item there's certain people who should be up here and there's others who shouldn't be up here. That's just the way it is, isn't it? We all have things that we're good at. We all have things we love doing and things we'd rather probably prefer not to do. Um, but I guess I want to really talk about and what I guess part of my story is that I want to share today is I started thinking, well, how do I use what the Lord's given me to encourage my brothers and sisters to see people come to the Lord and get that joy in seeing in, the, in those lives changed? How do I do that? So I thought about a few things. I thought, well, I love my family. I love playing music. I think I do it all right. I love seeing people come to the Lord. How can I sort of put those three things together? And um, so I thought, well, back in Wollongong, Michelle and I used to do a little bit of busking in the mall, a couple of ukuleles and singing, and we'd have an outreach, and we loved that. Let's try Maybe we can just do that. So I started speaking to a few people around the Vogue. Turned out there's a few others who were interested in that as well. We ended up getting a little bus, little busking group together. You'll hear us later in camp, I think. And um, so we started doing some outreaches in the mall, and a few people heard, and next thing we know, we had 30 of us in Rundle Mall doing outreaches. Well, praise the Lord, how good is that? It was just from a little thought, I thought maybe we could do that. Maybe I thought it would be just me or me and Michelle, or what if it would be? In the end, it was Michelle, myself, my, my kids, um, and a whole lot of other people doing that. And what we saw there is we saw people getting spirit-filled and baptised. We saw people getting involved. I saw kids and teenagers out in the street for the Lord and loving it. That gives me joy to see that. So getting back to the first scripture, Ephesians, they're talking about the church at Ephesus. So we're a second, third, fourth, maybe fifth generation church, aren't we? 50, 60, 70 years going strong now. Like Ephesus, we've got great doctrine, great teaching, great processes, lots of things going for us. But unlike Ephesus, we don't ever want to go down that path as individuals or as a church losing that first love, do we? We need to keep that first love of seeing souls saved, seeing people come to the Lord. So I guess my thought for you is, what do you love doing? What is it that the Lord blessed you with? What what is it that you love doing and how can you use what you love doing for the Lord? to bring souls to the kingdom of God. Now maybe, I, I, I'm not actually great on the street witnessing people, but it gets me really nervous. But you give me a trumpet, I'm fine. Okay? Maybe that's not, maybe that's not you either, getting on the street and, and talking to people, but maybe you're great with a, with a, um, a knife and a, a saucepan. Maybe you're great with a broom or setting things up or building things. What is it that you love doing and how can you use that for the Lord? Have a talk to other people. You never know, you find out they're interested as well. Next thing you know, you may have um, people coming to the Lord. And, and again, that's where the joy is. Okay. Uh, one scripture to finish, and staying in 25, Matthew 25, verse 19. This is what we want to hear. 
After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. So he that had received five talents came and bought other five talents, saying, Lord, that delivers unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? And that's what I want to hear. The Lord saying, Well done, the good and faithful servant. Thank you, there.